bullish, Richard? What are your thoughts, guys? Hey there, yeah. Well, man. I, uh, oh, go ahead, Richard. Sorry. So basically, you know, it's another panel where if you listen to half these guys' advice, you're going to lose all your money. It's the most risky, stupidest thing you can possibly do in cryptocurrency. It's the, the absolute way that everyone loses all of their money. Even if you don't lose all your money magically, you sell too early and you don't write up the 10,000x or the million x. It's, 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 let me put it to you this way. You sit behind a screen and try and take money from another guy sitting behind a screen. And the exchange in the middle is laughing at both of you idiots because neither of you knows anything about anything except you're making the exchange rich. And while you're making the exchange rich, they're laughing even harder because sometimes they just exit scam and take both of your money on both sides. They don't care who won or who lost. They just straight exit scam you entirely. And so instead of all you guys ruining your health, ruining your relationships, waking up to price alerts, wondering why your orders didn't execute, wondering why your stop losses weren't hit, wondering why you got scam wicked out, wondering why you sold too early, getting chopped up, getting whipsawed, instead of all of that nightmare, all of that horror, enriching middlemen, engaging counterparty risk, just all of that disgusting trash, why don't you just do the thing that has the tax advantage, which is never sell. The thing that has the most successful track record, never sell. The thing that doesn't get you shaken out. The thing that doesn't get you FUD. The thing that doesn't make you have to wake up to price calls. I woke up today to, to see whether the merge worked or not. It sucked. Now I'm tired. Now I'm irritable. I didn't want to wake up for the stupid merge. So, like, it, it, trading is the stupidest thing you can possibly do that will cost you your health, that will cost you relationships. And if you win, all you did was screw other some guy out of his money. Congrats. You screwed another dude out of his money. He wish you didn't have it. He wish he had your money instead. It's it's horrible for everyone. It's absolutely the worst thing. If you want to destroy someone else's culture, you addict the people that are in that society to trading. It's I, I don't and all you do is lose money. The reason that you don't see like like I make fun of Tone Vase all the time because Tone Vase sells trading courses, and I'm like Tone, even though I savage you regularly to the point where you will not even face me publicly, you just run away is because your students are so wrecked that not a single one of them even bothers to post in any of my threads and go, I actually made money with Tone. Nobody, never in history, has any Tone Vase student ever done that. And even if magically they did, it would be like taking advice from a guy that plays Russian roulette. And he's like, hey man, I put one bullet in the chamber, I spun the cylinder, I didn't die, I pulled the trigger six times, still here, man, winning. No, it's retarded. Even if you win doing something terribly risky, you still lost. You just need to play the play the game for longer so you know how many people got rich in bitcoin and made the one penny to 69,000 x 600 percent move 69,000 x price move and they thought they were smart selling and they got left behind and so if, if you and, and by the way unless it depending on look i'm not a tax advisor but depending on where you live every time you sell it might be taxed and now you're trading with a smaller stack, smaller stack, smaller stack, smaller stack, smaller stack, paying the bid-ass spread, paying the fees, eating counterparty risk, stupidest thing you could possibly do. You might as well just be up here advertising degenerate gambling because they're very similar. And I actually had a guy crap talk me who advertises 
a sports book picking service for degenerate gamblers. So you didn't lose your money fast enough on your own. You needed help to lose a little quicker by, by having some extra overhead. Hey, this guy teaches me how to lose faster. So like stock picking, very similar to a tone-based trading course. How do I lose money faster? Please show me. Wrecked pleb, right? So, yes, I, I gave, then, I gave, I gave, I gave, the, I gave I the British version. Richard Hart gave the American version, but the same, same analysis, same thing. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, it seems every, every panelist has made the point that trading just doesn't work. And, and, and I've stayed away from trading for year, all my life for that reason. The thing what I do is to, to prove what I've done is I, I timestamp my – I've been timestamping my, my track record for years. So, you know, I'm not the type that would be like, yeah, you know, I've done well. You know, I've, I've actually done well, but it like it's taken me a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like it also takes people a long time to go from the janitor to the CEO if they're on that that path. Right. It took me a long time to get to where I was able to do it. Yes, Richard, I agree with him. In the beginning, you will be glued to a computer screen and some people most will will destroy their lives trying to figure that shit out but some people you know like any other aspect of life those those few couple percenters that you know can get away and, and learn it and and get good at it they don't spend that amount of time and they they do only spend a few hours a day and it is a, a very actually comfortable easy living life if you can learn how to do it successfully like anything else in life hey, default live default dead you buy a crap coin you don't get out it goes to zero. You get the right coin, product market fit. You forget about it for 10 years. You're rich as heck. The big difference, all these meme coins, I consider them for the most part default dead. That's why I don't like a lot of coins. I'm kind of a Richard Hart maximalist. Second, you don't got to work hard to make yield. You can make yield for free. Now, once again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a professional. Get your own advice. But I'm told that when you make money staking, that money is not taxable in the United States until you sell. That's awesome, because apparently mining doesn't work like that. Apparently, if you're a miner, you pay income tax on that mining. Well, God, isn't that cool? And so staking, like my coin, pays people average 39% a year. Um, but yeah, you drew down 95% if you bought the top. But you're still up 1,000x from two and a half years ago. So, you know, I'm saying before my connection drops, default live versus default dead, huge difference. Being able to make yield instead of trying to grind it out and have taxes and trading fees and bid-ask spread chewing you up. And just everyone loses all their money anyway. So uh, like risk management, oh, I use risk management. No, you just lose slower. Risk management doesn't make your trades profitable. You just lose slower. Um, and then uh, I called the top of the day, by the way. So, and I did it for free. And it, it, that top call has been in profit every single day except one for the last almost two years now. And I'll probably get around to calling the bottom too. You know, wait till I see the grayscale discount go away. Wait till I see a nice capitulation wick, even though we've done bump and run kind of Adam and Eve bottoms last cycle and at 3,800 as well. So, you know, not really, I'm not, I don't need a capitulation wick. I wouldn't mind to see uh, the Gox coin sold, the uh, do you, Rick, coin Richard, sold. Do, you, do you trade anymore? Yeah. Do you trade? No, I don't. I mean, it's, I don't, but if you call the top on the day, you know what I mean? Like, if, if Bitcoin cycles at a three- and four-year blow-off top frequency, and I have two cycles in a row called the top, you know, I never talk about my coins, but uh, <laughs> it's, it, it sure would be stupid to not, uh, you know, learn from it, so right? You do, you, do, you do sell at the top and try and buy at the bottom. You try and do that. Or... 
I never talk about my coins. Uh, yes, okay. I can't tell no, you well, about we, my we coins. We're just trying to understand yeah. if you're. If it sounds like you are. I, I, I think. I think that. I think that when everyone starts buying million dollar JPEGs and everyone opens up a crypto fund and every meme coin goes to the moon, you can feel comfortable selling. Because yes, it's the top. So that's trading. And you might be off by a two x. You might be off by a three x. You know, you could like, but but you're within that range. So. Like you, you can call tops a lot easier than calling bottoms in crypto, in my opinion. Yeah, it sounds like you trade. Any, any big, well, but it's such a long time frame, right? So if you're a three and a three and four year, you're looking at the four year cycle up, trade. Pretty, yeah, but, yeah, um, man. Trade. It's a long trade. It, I mean, you wouldn't even because it's, me, it's yeah, strict. me, me, I don't. I dollar, I dollar cost average, so I don't consider myself a trader. So. Yeah, but the dollar cost average, you got to have income and you have to not already be all in. And if everything goes up and to the right almost forever, the correct mathematical thing to do is not to DCA. It's to all in. Yeah, but now so like, pu- but that's pushing the trade. The trade yeah, dollar, that's you, up another well, income you're putting into that, into an investment. I, I think you're, you're talking about like day, day trading. I think you're talking about day trading. No, dollar cost average. Then you have another trade. income and you're just... If you don't have an, if you don't, if you don't have another income other than crypto, you can't DCA because you have to sell something else to buy something else. So, like, if you've been in crypto for a long time, you can't DCA because you're not working a day job to buy with. Like, there's not, like, I, you know, when when is Richard? Like, it's. uh, I would be very surprised. I DCA because I earn income. So yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. So the the things I want to say for my connection drops, this Rolls Royce eats connections. It like literally you can't get cell phone in it. It's terrible. Um, so, you know, I call the top of the day. You can earn yield without getting chopped up. Everyone gets destroyed and loses all their money. It's the riskiest thing you can possibly do in crypto. There's a big difference between default dead and default alive. Holding for longer works when you have a product market fit, walled garden, innovative product. But it doesn't work when you hold a scam. You're just going to hold a scam for longer. Uh, well, I makes, a fourth point now with I forgot ETH. what it was. That makes sense now with ETH. I mean, like, right fucking now. Like, and I agree with you on that sense. Because right now, if I log into my ledger on my phone, I can literally, it has now up, it says recommended, earn rewards by staking your ETH. Like, it's already wanting me to stake and it pays 4%. So, like, yeah. And that's, Just be careful with counterparty risk because someone else can run with your keys there. So be careful with that counterparty risk because whoever you're giving your keys to, if you don't have 32 ETH and run your own server, you are engaging counterparty risk. If you want to have no counterparty risk and just have the risk that your server goes down, you got to have 32 ETH to do it. And the yields are crap, in my opinion. Um, you know, the other thing is, look, those airdrop rewards were worth a lot. Uniswap, Tor, One Inch, uh, you know, there's, there's airdrops out the yin-yang, and you only get them if you use DeFi or you hold a coin. You're not going to get those airdrops for the most part sitting in an exchange account. You know, BitMEX got exactly one airdrop. They got the Bitcoin Cash airdrop. They didn't get their coins. Uh, BitMEX did them the service of just dumping them on the market, and then they didn't get anything else. And so the vast majority of these exchanges are not going to give you any of your airdrop coins at all. None of them. And so it's smart to hold in your own wallet. It's smart not to have counterparty risk. Learn from the poor things that happened to the Celsians. Uh, you know, don't be Celsius part two. Ignore those advertisements in your ledger to offer you a pitiful 4%, and then they just run away with your keys and you lose your whole stack for a pitiful 4%. 4% crypto is nothing. You get it in an hour. So, like, it's never to accept counterparty risk for 4%. Never. 
Yeah, exactly. And that makes a point of how how easy it is to now stake Ethereum. So like you said, you know, do the do the node. That was that was my I, I'm I was either gonna snag some more apes or uh get some of these nodes and I that was my decision was definitely well, high. Remember nodes. remember, man, <laughs> I tried to show my stuff too hard, but I literally invented a yield generating product where you hold your own keys. It's had perfect flawless operation for a thousand days. The price is still up a thousand fold after a ninety percent dump. It's a very good invention, you know, and it's basically, <laughs> it's basically, uh, if you think about, it, there are people that go out to like the Tezos founder's wife, who's part of the founding team of Tezos, went on television and called Ethereum staking basically hex without the time locking. You take your coins, you put them on the chain, you generate yield, you just get more coins. It's literally the same mechanic. You take your coins. You stick them on chain in a server, and uh, you get yield. It's the same exact thing, but without time locking. So ours has a time locking component. Theirs doesn't. Theirs also maintains a consensus network. Ours doesn't. We piggyback on top of theirs. So it's like if you haven't looked at Hex, it's cool. You really might like it. It's it's very cool. Anyway, that's that's it for now. I hope my connection stays up. I'd love to chime in later. Here's a funny, there's a funny saying about trading is the worst thing that could ever happen to you is that you make money on your first trade because then you think you're good and then you get wrecked. You double down and you get wrecked. I mean, a lot of crypto basically looks like the life of a turkey. Hey, they're feeding me. This is awesome. I'm getting older. I'm getting bigger. Ah, oh, they keep feeding me older and bigger. Yay. I can't wait to see how much food they give me next year. And then you get your head chopped off. And this, this is how trading goes. You find something that works, right? You're scalping, you're... You're, you know, you're, you're using bots, whatever your stupid thing is, and then reality changes, and you get wiped out because you had capital at risk, and then you're like, oh, that'll never happen to me because I use risk management, and then you just die with a whimper because your risk management just keeps chopping you out until you have nothing left. You don't have a stack anymore. So the, the thing about trading is it's not just that reality doesn't want you to win and that no one ever has one except this dude on the phone, and then, like... It's, it's also that the world changes and that there's an adversary that wants to screw you up and he's got better friends in the industry than you. He's got better execution. He's got better programming skills. He has better knowledge. He has more experience. And so not only is everything against you, if you magically find a way to win, people notice. They notice you're winning and they figure out a way to stop you from winning. They figure, like, I know people that, that had made money for a while and then someone just targeted them and did the exact thing that would blow their strategy out and their strategy got blown out and they got they're knocked out of the game. That's it. And then you're begging people to try and raise money to get your stack back together. Like blowing out your account and waking up to liquidation emails is like the, the bog standard, you know, trader's life. It's and, and if you get good at it, you ruined your life. You're getting good at taking someone else's money from them. You're not net useful for society. You're a loser. Being good at trading is the worst thing you could ever do for yourself. Go learn to create a good or a service that someone will give you their money for voluntarily and stop dreaming that you're helping price discovery having people to, amplify fomo tops is not helping price discovery i have to be honest the, the funds that were generated through trading have actually enabled uh, the present uh, presentation of, of services and products to the market so uh, perhaps I, I am in line with what you suggest is a proper strategy to, to yeah but if the products and services are rolling more people into the meat grinder then it's worse not better you know like all these guys that run successful scams and get money like conveys they go and use that money to buy ads to scam more people. It's like a, a negative <laughs> reinforcing circle. 
And by the way, you talked about not being able to hold for a long time. Imagine how many people would be rich in Bitcoin right now if they didn't sell on a 2x or a 10x, if they held for the 10,000x. My product that I invented literally forces you to have diamond hands because you're locking up your coins. You lock up your coins at the choice of time that you choose. I think I never really talk about it. Look, you can choose how long you want to do it, one day to 15 years. You choose. And then they're locked. The longer you lock, the more you make. The shorter you lock, the less you make. You don't have to lock. The majority of the gains is against USD anyway. Like it went up 10,000x versus the dollar in two years. You didn't need to lock at all. If you locked, you got 20,000x versus the dollar, depending on how long you'd locked for. And so if you're worried about weak hands, it's solved already. Like heck solves that, right? Like if you're worried about mad gains, heck solves that. If you're worried about counterparty rest, heck solves that. If you're worried about volatility, hex does not solve that. It's volatile as shit, right? Like Bitcoin dropped 75. Ethereum dropped 85 and Hex dropped 95. And so, like, it, it, you know, that comes with the game. But I just thought it uniquely addressed the idea that people wouldn't be able to find long-term success because we literally reward you with inflation to be long-term minded. And, and these guys that are destroying their lives with trading, we see the opposite in Hex because you have something to look forward to in the future now. You have an end stake date. And a lot of people have a bunch of them. You know, they make one per year. And so on a certain day, for the next X number of years of your life, you're getting paid and you're making mad interest. And that interest cancels out a lot of dip, I might tell you. So like, I, I think I think that Hex is the cure to people getting destroyed, degenerating on all types of gambling, whether it be casino gambling, sportsbook gambling, or, you know, ticker symbol gambling, or, or trying to time the market or, or guess which way the price is gonna go gambling. Hey guys, uh, Noah from Whalecoin Talk here. I just wanted to, to give my two cents i i'm pretty much in the camp of richard i i've been in the space since 2017 and my, my strategy has basically been increased cash flow and dca mainly in the bitcoin i started seeing the ethereum more in 2018 but i've seen a lot of and this is my own anecdotal experience i've seen a lot of traders a lot of traders very loud um very sure of themselves you know they, they come into the market fresh they start to get big wins and most of them aren't around anymore and typically their followers end up getting wrecked and typically the courses don't end up helping anyone. Willy uh, Woo's fund literally went bankrupt like a year ago. Literally went bankrupt. Holy shit. Yeah, Willy Woo had a fund oh, there and you it went it. fucking I mean, bankrupt. There you have it. So I, I just, I don't really, yeah, I, I don't trade. So um, I'm I'm just, uh, you know, as you said, I, I have income. I invest a set amount the same way every single month. Um, I have a thesis that Bitcoin is digital hard sound money. Um, ETH can outperform it in a bull market, underperform it in a bear market. Um, and uh, I buy shares in companies and then I, I create scenarios for um, what happens if central bank digital currencies. Um, hey, that was hey, real real quick, companies. you used to be able to buy 2,000 Ethereum for one Bitcoin. Now you can buy like did, yeah. 15. 15 Ethereum for one Bitcoin. Yeah, you used to get 2,000 at the crowd sale. Now you get 15. It's up like, I don't know, hundreds of X or something. I've still, I still got, I haven't moved my Ethereum ICO tokens. I've still got them. I just don't want anyone to think that Bitcoin's a better play than Ethereum. It's like, especially now that Ethereum is like (laughs) super hard money. You know what I mean? No, to me, it's it's risk adjusted. So everyone has to pick their base, right? What I want to say, Wahid, is it's, it's fascinating because. The people that were on the golden list, they're like the VCs everyone respects. They're like when a bear market hits, all rules are off. 
And suddenly you got all the biggest guys no longer giving a fuck. And Three Arrows Capital was in the top tier. We had a guy, a CIO, gave me a top tier list of top VCs, like 10 or 15 of them. Three Arrows Capital was in the top, top of that list. Okay? And well, he, do you remember those days? Everyone's like, get into Outlier, get into Three Arrows, and look what happened to them now. So obviously they didn't do it based on ethics. They did it out of necessity. But then a lot of VCs during the bear market, they built a reputation. Again, I don't want to mention their name. I wish I could, but I won't. Um, they built a massive reputation to never dump. And Wahid, you know who I'm talking about. Would it, and both, wouldn't it be you know, cool? Hey, wouldn't it be cool if someone invented something that made it so you couldn't dump and you had to live by your word? You could call it the truth engine, you know? And it would penalize you if you dumped early. But then if you didn't dump early, you got rewarded by the other people's penalties. That would be like so cool. You could call it Hex. We have vesting contracts for that. We code smart contracts. We we code out smart contracts that release on particular schedules. During the bull market, everyone was giving unlocking schedules, at least shitty projects. Good projects, they gave very limited unlocks or no unlocks. So our best investments are locked for at least a year. so when you do, but I mean, like algorithmically, to- even crappy, you can't do anything with it. Bitcoin has algorithmic locking, like check time lock verify exists, or rather check lock time verify. It's a feature, you know. Um, I had a question for Richard. Can, with your with your whole hex thing, can you uh can you hold NFTs for a prolonged amount of time, or is it just uh other things? No, the only thing that you can lock in hex is hex itself. It helps uh hex go up. We don't want to dilute our primary feature to help pump other things that aren't the thing we care about, you know? All right. Well, I'm, pu- I'm putting a patent on that idea, so I'm not taking it. I think, I think prior art would uh, make it not possible, but you could try. You can't patent things that are, have prior art. Like, even if no one ever registered the thing, it's, once it's in the public, you, you can't patent it. You say that now, but once the tables have turned, Richard. Respect, bro. Respect. <laughs> Richard, any final words before we get to the confession? Yes, segment? sir. Yes. Everyone, please enjoy your free airdrop on PulseChain.com. Remember, this Ethereum merge was awesome, but it's not going to make fees lower, and it's not going to give us higher throughput. It's not going to have quicker transactions. So it's going to burn less electricity. It's going to help the price go up because it's going to inflate less. But for the more supply and the world's largest free airdrop, copy of all your coins on a new chain, that's PulseChain.com. Hex.com. Is that, is that actually... What's the what, what, is it a proof of stake blockchain for for oh no it's an ERC yep. token isn't it for Pulse? No, Pulse is a full copy of the Ethereum. Oh network. yes, yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. State and yep. everything. And it's yep. a proof of stake. Yes, and also uh, Hex.com dipped real good. It's had a thousand days of perfect flawless operation. Price went up a million percent. Dipped ninety five percent. It's up off of the ninety five percent dip now, I believe, and. Uh, this guy's going to cross the street. No, nope, they're going to let me go. Um, also, we got PulseX.com. It's a fork Uniswap. does fee burning and stuff, whereas like the Uniswap token has no relationship to the exchange itself. Ours really does. So, And all of these tokens, like PulseChain only deflates. There's no inflation. PulseX only deflates. There's no inflation. Pulse.com, or rather Hex.com, has an inflation rate of a maximum 3.69%. The average stake length is actually seven years. So... It's miraculous. Like for normal retail investors to delay gratification on average seven years, that means you got to have a lot of 15-year stakes to cancel out a lot of one-year stakes. I mean, that's rather Nobel Prize worthy to get people to delay gratification that much. And between you and me, the only thing any price chart in the whole world cares about is buying and holding. And everything else is a meme and a story and a narrative as to why you should buy and hold. 
So Bitcoin used to be peer-to-peer digital cash. It gave up on it. Then it was going to be programmable money. Gave up on it. Then it's digital gold. Maybe that one will last. But it went up, you know, 69,000 X, 690 million percent. Richard, um, I, I, I want to ask you a quick question before we, we move on yeah. to the next segment. It's one well, I'm curious just, about. Just saying, we monetize the only thing that price chart cares about, which is buying and holding. Everything else is bullshit. You hear about people like, you know, we're going to green out the dump. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Oh, we're going we're to buy for the merge. We're going to buy for this, that. It's all bullshit. Why not just give the inflation to the people that have the longest time horizons? And what do you think happens with, when you have something that people lock up for 15 years when they buy it? I mean, that's the most real commitment that you can possibly uh, ever make but go ahead uh, yeah richard question i have and that's a selfish question so i remember the early days in crypto when you were just in your studio and i know you made a, a lot of money being early in bitcoin and, and pre-bitcoin as well um and i remember you were just pretty i think from memory you were pretty humble sitting in your studio uh, you didn't you didn't have all that flash that you have now and then you started buying i i, I didn't follow you for a while um, and then I saw you with the Lambo, with the Rolls Royce, with all the clothes. And I think you mentioned, I'm going to, you know, people like it. I'm doing it to get attention. You know, I know Ty Lopez, a lot of people hate him. He's like, Mario, I just get, you know, it works. Um, if the end value of what I'm providing is good, well, I'm, what am I doing? I'm just trying to get attention through all that branding. Now, obviously, you get a lot of hate from all the flashiness as well, among other things. My question is, does it work when you're building a personal brand? Like I'm doing a lot of videos and stuff. My team started telling me buy branded clothes. Now I can never get even close to your level of flashiness. But how well does it work? It grabs attention. The the attention you get versus the hate. Is the attention, the so, ROI outweighs the hate? I mean, if you're on the internet, you're going to get hate. Vitalik, I mean, Hex went up 10,000x. It's built on Ethereum. So thanks, Ethereum. Right? Hexagon's got tons of free airdrops because of Ethereum. Thanks, Ethereum. Everybody that has a bog standard ERC-20 never got a 51% attack like every other altcoin got. Thanks, Ethereum. And everyone still hates Vitalik. And he writes free open source software. He funds uh, anti-aging medicine. He funds uh, anti-other uh, like health things. Like The guy's out there writing free open source software. Now, yes, he did make the top and sell the top on the day. Yes, he has done that more than one cycle. Like, he's not all golden, but, you know, he's not flashy. And yet, people still hate him because if people know you exist, they're going to hate you. And so the difference is, can you get the other side? If you're going to get hated anyway, can you get people to like you too? And so, you know, human beings have this thing built into them where they care about proof of work. How do I know a girl has enough fat resources to supply the kid with nutrients after we have a baby? Big old titties. Extra resources what? serve no extra purpose at all. Huh? It's signaling. So you can go on Wikipedia and search up social sexual signaling theory. And how do you know that a bird has enough resources to take care of your uh, little baby bird? Well, look, it built this cool nest and it's got all these extra stupid feathers that provide no other utility. And so I just bought today a $10,000 Louis Vuitton kite. I don't even fly kites, bro. But now I got a $10,000 Louis Vuitton kite that I'm going to go make fun of people with. I got see-through bags. I got the stupidest things. I got ping pong paddles, Louis Vuitton ping pong paddles. I spent like $150,000 over the last couple of days on fashion stuff. Just to flex. People haven't seen it yet. Now, why am I doing that? Because no one cares that I raised $27 million for charity. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that I a cryptocurrency that went up in price a million percent in two years with flawless, perfect operation. No one cares. They care more that I own the world's largest diamond. 
They care more than I'd waste $10,000 on a stupid kite. Now, do I wish I lived in a better world where we had a real meritocracy and if you did better things, you got more viewers, more likes, and more power and more influence in the world? I wish I lived in that world. You know, I've written free self-help books. If you followed the advice in them, you'd land where I'm landed right now. Constant orgasm. But people don't read the books, and they're free. And they've been out for years before I ever said a thing about Bitcoin. So, you know, I live in a world where you can either cry like a bitch about how the game's set up, or you could go win the game. I chose to win the game, and my people chose to win the game. And by and large, we're winning. So, you know, if you say you're rich, show me your Lambo. You say you're rich, show me a $10,000 kite. It's proof of work. It's hard to fake that crap. It's very hard to fake a car. Easy to fake some of the Louis crap, but very hard to fake a car. And so when people see that you got, look, man, if I see you got a cool-ass car, I am going to walk over to you and say hi because I want to meet you because I think that's cool. If you're wearing a cool-ass outfit, I'm going to walk over to you and say hi and be like, hey, man, why you got that cool-ass outfit? What do you do? Tell me about you. And, and I'm, you know, I'm at the top of the game. And I will do that. I'm going to come up and approach you if you got a cool car. You got security with them. Like, hey, what's up with the security, bro? What's up? What's your thing? Is there synergy here somewhere? And so, like, it's it's a way to shortcut the human being's search Yo, for I truthful gotta, statements I, by proof of work. I, I, so I want to see if it's going to work now when I wear crystal shit. Will people avoid me more because I'm way too flashy? Will I get other artists, you know, talking shit about me? Or will I have a bigger line of girls lining up to dance with me as an artist? So the experiment it's, it's will be, be tomorrow. Totally, I can already answer these questions for you. It's totally a function of how comfortable the girls are with themselves. The girls that think that they're high value and are comfortable being looked at don't mind walking up to the most interesting guy in the place and meeting him. But the girls that are shy and don't have high opinions of themselves and are afraid that they'll be looked at because they're talking to the spicy guy in the room, they'll avoid you. So it's really what kind of girl you want to attract. If you want to, you know, attract a girl that sits at home and reads books and is wearing glasses and shit and sitting on the wall, that crystal shit will turn her off. But if you're talking to the girl that's, you know, got her ass hanging out, the crystal is going to play hard. And traditionally, if you're actually being judged on your movements, it's a lot easier to see movement when we've got sequins that reflect light and when we can see the intersection of your limbs to your body, which is why ballet dancers wear tights. So the intersection of their limbs to their body is as tight as it can be. So it shows the most motion. So there's, you know, there's a, a strong tradition in the arts and in dance in particular to wear tight fitting, sparkly clothing because it helps you see the movement better. So I think it's going to work out well for you. Okay, but I feel I feel like embarrassed even talking about this. Bolivian, <laughs> without hating on me, man, any final words? Welcome to the show. We don't usually talk about this at all. Uh, it's usually high-level conversations, but uh, I'm going to potentially make a douche out of myself tomorrow. But yeah, I'll, I'll give you the mic, bro, before I, I, Charlie goes on with uh, confessions. Sorry. Yeah. Um, um, can I have... Oh, sorry. Yeah, of course, um, Bolivian. Go ahead and crypto. Go ahead. Yeah, I was in the living, sorry. So, yeah, I've been more of a listener than a speaker because this is like an eye-opener for me. I'm not, I'm not I'm a glad. developer. Yeah? I'm glad, I'm glad. Welcome to the yeah, show. Sorry. Thank you. And, and Bolivian, any anything to add? See, I, I never really say anything high value. I just wanted to ask Richard what color was the kite and the ping-pong paddle. <laughs> Like, so what I color try, are you talking about? I really try to buy mostly monogram stuff because 
if I don't buy Monogram, I'm relying on your knowledge of other manufacturers' catalogs to be able to identify what I'm wearing is expensive as hell. But if I wear something with a known Monogram, like for instance, I just bought a Balenciaga black crystal jacket on denim. They unfortunately had a girl's bottom that was the same material, denim with black crystal, but I don't wear skirts and I wouldn't fit in it if I did. So, you know, I only have the top, right? But now, unless you're familiar with this year's Balenciaga catalog, you don't know whether I did that at home with my bedazzler machine and bedazzled it or whether I paid $6,000 for it, which I did. In America, it'd probably be 9000 I paid 6000 euros. Well, actually, they're at parity now, but anyway, maybe it's like 7500 or 8500 US. Welcome, welcome to so the fashion kite, round table, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Wait, my hold my on. kite is monogram, and my kite is brown Louis Vuitton monogram, and my ping pong paddles are brown Louis Vuitton monogram. The ping pong paddles were 1750 and the kite was 7,000 euros. That's 10,000 bucks. 7,000? Yes. For a kite? For the kite, yeah. Yes. It's 10,000. Yeah, you go, go ahead. I'll let LA finish. Yeah, off I, if, it, if it was a good deal, I wouldn't buy it. It has to be a bad deal to serve my purpose. It has to. I have a plane bag for 50,000. I got glow-in-the-dark bags for 30,000, 40,000 each. Like, I just... I, I'm wasting money on purpose because the only utility it has is how expensive it is. It's probably not even a good kite. The kite probably sucks. But because it was expensive, now it has notoriety, you know? It's like most cars. Most cars get you from A to B. But the ones that's the most expensive is cooler. And for the record, my Bentley's way cooler than my Rolls. The Rolls, I paid <laughs> 700000 The Bentley's half my, it and murdered it. Yeah, I can't hate on you. My, my ugly profile picture costs a few hundred thousand as well. So, so it's, not, it's not about the, the quality. But... But I want to add one thing, Charlie. Anybody that has that knows someone that does that on-chain analysis and follows wallets that <laughs> that, that that you know have a good success rate with their trades. Um, again, if you know how to do this or know someone that does, please hit me up. Uh, that's something I want to learn more about. Um, just to I mean, I can I can chime but, in here, like like yeah, basically. Please. One of the one of the coolest features about Hex is that it's primarily traded on chain, and I mean really, really, really primarily traded on chain. And so you can see when people's stakes end, whether they usually restake, whether they sell the interest, whether they dump everything, what other coins they hold, whether they got made money on those coins. And so if you go to Hex.Vision, you can literally look up like the chart of all the stakes that are expiring in the future. And see what whales are gonna, you know, have their coins coming out of uh, of lock, and then you can also, if you're starting, it's where you're gonna slot your end stake, and if you choose to put your end stake where there's not a lot of other people end staking, you might have less sell pressure on that day. You also see things like because people are able to sell their end stakes right after the day ticks over at midnight UTC time, that's when usually you'll get sells more often than not because that's the day's stakes and so there's a lot of really useful on-chain timing analysis and behavior analysis that exists in hex that really doesn't exist a lot of other places you know if you try and if you, you can't do this on bitcoin you can't tell what any any other coins they own because there are no other coins in bitcoin and it's very hard to do this with other coins that are traded primarily on exchange because you have iceberg orders dark pools and all this fake shill spoofing garbage you know, there's a lot of noise, but when it's when everything's on Uniswap and on chain, 
there's the minimum amount of noise. It's it's clean, honest, wholesome, most transparent uh, trading in the world. I don't know of any anything in the world that's traded more transparently. 